0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're here to serve you in any way that we can. For more information about our resources or our church, you can check out hope at crossroads.org. Online, you can find access to other resources like devotionals and study books. Thanks again for joining us. And now let's start this week's message.
1: Amen. 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 It's good to see you this morning. Have you, uh, do you or your wife use a pressure cooker? If you, if you or your wife uses a pressure cooker, kind of wave at me. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? A couple of you know what a pressure cooker is. Some of you are going, I have no idea what that is. We eat out all the time. <laughs> okay, all righty then, all righty then. A pressure cooker, we have, we have one uh, in our house. Uh, And it's different, by the way, than an air fryer. Okay, I'm learning, I'm learning. Uh, We're actually going to talk next week about how Daniel was put in an air fryer. But this week, the Lord puts him in a pressure cooker. And what pressure cookers do, if you watch Chef Ramsay or any of the cooking programs, or your wife maybe has taught you this in the house, you might know. Pressure cookers are used to speed up the time that it takes to cook certain uh, dishes like stews or beans or braised meats or things like that. And um, there's a lot of, uh, those who cook say there's a lot of advantages of a pressure cooker because they're sealed tight and uh, they help the moisture stay in and the juices more flavorful. So that's why some people use a, a pressure cooker. They use steam and they use heat. Uh, inside this sealed pot to quickly produce rich flavors. Now you may say, what in the world does that have to do with Daniel? Because Daniel, we're getting ready to discover, Daniel chapter 2, if you want to be turning there, uh, is getting ready to be placed in a pressure cooker. And it's interesting when life puts us in some pressure places, and we all have those places, whether it's uh, in our families or in our workplace, are riding in the wonderful Greenville traffic and we start to get pressure, when we, we, you really are put under intense pressure, what comes out is who you really are. And we get to find out in this story of Daniel, when the pressure comes, how he responds is pretty incredible. And we're going to, look at it together and discover some very interesting things. Now let me kind of catch you up if you missed last week. Daniel chapter 1, a year has passed when we jump into Daniel chapter 2, a year has passed. King Nebuchadnezzar is is troubled. He's having these crazy dreams. And he needs someone to interpret his dreams. And so he calls out to all the land and he asks for the priest and the sorcerers and the conjurers and the magicians and the wizards. And he asks everybody who out there can come and tell me what my dream is and interpret it. And he sends that all out to try to find out an answer to what he's dreaming about. Now that, right off the get-go, I would tell you that elicits a question from me that I'm going to pose to you that I asked myself this week. When you need answers to questions that you have, where do you go? To whom do you go when the pressures of life are there and all these things are happening and you need an answer, to whom do you go? Where is it you immediately turn? Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a habit. We look at what's going on in our world and people turn to all kinds of things really quick to find answers. Some of us turn to our favorite news media outlet. Some people, even in our community, believe it or not, probably nobody in this room, but some of us in our community go to the same people that the king was looking to. They go to people who can read tarot cards or people who supposedly can predict the future. We have those shops all throughout the county of Greenville. And people go and they look. To whom do you go when you need answers? Some of you may remember some years ago, a movie called Bruce Almighty and the main character in that movie, Jim Carey, is seeking after God and he's saying, God, just show me a sign, show me a sign. And he pulls behind this construction truck, uh, this DOT truck, and in the back of the DOT truck are all these signs that say, stop, turn, detour, left. And he's, he's yelling at the back of the truck, God, give me a sign. And there are all these signs. And he believes and interprets, oh, there, there's the sign, there's the sign. We can sometimes misinterpret circumstances and things that happen to be a sign from God. What what do we do and who do we turn to when we need answers to questions? Let me kind of tell you quickly what happens in the first few verses of chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar has these dreams. He calls out to people to come interpret the dreams. He calls to the sorcerers, the magicians, the conjurers. They, They come before him and they say, King, we can't interpret this dream. Not only does he ask them to interpret it, But just to make sure they are really who they say they are, and they have the gifts they profess to have, he says to them, I want you to tell me my dream that I had and interpret it. I'm not going to tell you my dream. I want you to tell me my dream and interpret it. And they tell the king, that's impossible, king. We can't do that. And he, he chastis- chastises them again and says, no, I'm asking, is there anybody who can do that? And they say, king, we can't do that. We can't do that. As a matter of fact, there's nobody on earth that can do that. What you're asking, nobody on earth can do that. Friends, I want to tell you something. There are some things that you and I need in our lives, answers that we need, direction that we need, guidance that we need. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there's no one on earth. Sometimes it can give us that. There's only one person. It's Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Wisdom is good. Going to people and asking advice is good. So Daniel's face was something pretty incredible. And by the way, you might want to just make note of this. From Daniel uh, chapter 2, verse 4, all through almost the end of chapter 7, the original text is actually in Aramaic, not Hebrew. It's the only section of the Bible that actually was written in Aramaic, which was the language of the Babylonian Empire. And so after the king calls out to these people to be able to share the dream and interpret the dream, nobody can do it. He begins to get very angry. And he sends out a decree, a degree, verse 13. He sends this decree that goes forth that all the wise men will be killed because he doesn't think there are any wise men. Including Daniel and his friends, he de- sends this decree out that everyone is going to be killed. He's very upset. But let's see what happens. Verse 14. Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's commander, For what reason is this, is this decree from the king so urgent? And Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. And Daniel went in, verse 16, and requested the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. And Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter in order that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his friends might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. We're going to stop there for just a minute, but we'll keep reading in, in a moment. So here's the question this morning. How do you and I respond when the pressure's on? First point in verse 14. It says, Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to the captain of the king's bodyguard. If there is ever a time on planet earth where we needed those two things in our society, it is today. Discretion and discernment are desperately needed in our world. And Daniel, again, don't forget how old we think he is, maybe 14 or 15 years of age, replies to the captain, the the bodyguard, the leader there that he is reporting to, it's under the king, he replies to this captain with discretion and discernment. You may say, what does that actually mean? Let me give you some definitions. Here's what discretion is. Discretion is behaving in such a way to unnecessarily avoid causing offense. <laughs> I don't know about you, but have you looked at your social media feed lately? I mean, sometimes I'll read that and it's like, pew, pew, pew. I mean, there's these zingers people are giving, almost intentionally trying to cause conflict and chaos and argument and animosity. Another definition for discretion is this, deciding correctly what to do in a heated situation. Discretion. What about discernment? What is discernment? Discernment is this, it's perception in the absence of judgment with a desire to obtain wisdom. In other words, discernment is all these things are going on and your heart motive, your mind motive is, okay, during this what I really want to do is I want to tune in and find out how to correctly respond here, but also with a desire to obtain wisdom. And not just the wisdom of man, but the wisdom of God. That is discernment. In church, we're in a world, not only in our community, not only in our political environment, not only in our school environment, not only in our church environment, with things that we're praying about in the future that are going on, where we need discernment. We don't need human understanding. We need discernment from God. Because sometimes we can look at things on the exterior and make a decision based on that that could be right. It could be wrong. So we need these two things. And I'm reminded here that here we have a 15-year-old teenager who is going before the bodyguard of the king with discretion and discernment. What a wise young man. And he walks into the presence of Ariok and... He begins to have a discussion. His calmness in this crisis actually shows something very important. See... The world is always going to have the next crisis, the next thing that happens. We, we, Each of us probably have our own crisis or crises that are going on, maybe more than one, in our, in our lives. And how we respond to those is a revelation of how we really are. And what happens is crises don't make the person. How we respond actually shows what kind of person we are when those things happen. And Daniel responds with great discretion in discernment. So I I wrote down, you know by now, I, I write down some questions for me. Here's my question. I'll share this question with you. When a crisis comes your way, how do you respond? Oh my God! I mean, do you freak out when a crisis comes your way? Come on, I do sometimes. Don't look at me like you don't do that. I'll be honest. Sometimes I respond that way. Here's a 15-year-old who has just heard a decree that if somebody doesn't go and tell the king what his dream is and interpret it, he's dead. I don't, that's a pretty intense crisis for me. That's more intense than most of the crises I face in my life on a weekly basis. And here he is as a young man who responds. He could have responded, Oh my gosh, I'm going to get killed. What am I going to do? Freaking out. He could run. He could try to escape. There's all kinds of scenarios that could have happened. But what he chose to do was to, I believe, in a polite, courteous way, with discretion and discernment, approach the captain of the bodyguard and say, excuse me, I got, I've, got a, I've got a request. And we're going to find out next what that request is. Verse 15, he goes before this leader, Arioch, the king's commander, and here's what he, he asks, verse 16. He goes and he requests to the king that he would give him some time in order that he may declare the interpretation to the king. This is where I wish we could just like mash on our Bible. Maybe these will be new in the new technology that's coming. Where we just mash on our Bible and a video popped up. And showed us a reenactment of what happened. Wouldn't that be awesome? Could somebody invent that? If somebody would work on that in the next couple of weeks, that would be really awesome. Because what happens is he goes in and he requests to the king... Or to the Arioch, the king's commander. Hey, what's what's the urgency? Could we have a little more time? Which brings me to the second point this morning. Daniel asked for a grace period. Now, I don't know about you, but I thought about that a lot this week. I don't know if anybody here reads ahead. By the way, we're doing Daniel 3 next week. But as I was reading this again this week, I'm thinking, how how could he do that? I mean, he's a teenager. This is a decree from the king. And he goes to Arioch and says, can you, can you go ask the king? Just give, give us a little more time. I know, I know he's very angry and he wants to slaughter all the wise men like right now. But could you go and ask him for just a, more, just a little more time? And I started thinking about it. Perhaps he could do that because the example of his fate that we read about in chapter 1 demonstrated to the king, Hey, There's something special about this kid. He had already deposited a little bit of trust in the account with the king, so to speak, by what he did in chapter 1 and by his response in chapter 1. And if you need a reminder, if you go back and you... Remember chapter 1 when he stood before the overseer and said, I'm not going to eat this or that. And the king winds up bringing them in and talks to them and finds out, hey, they haven't eaten my choice food. They've actually done what they felt like God led them to do. And it says at the end of, uh, of chapter 1 that the king talked with them and found like no one was like Daniel and his friends. So I just got to think, the king's starting to think, there's something different about This young teenager. By the way, let me just say this to those of you who are young teenagers in the room. And I know we have many who are serving our children this morning. Dare you not think that God can't use you? Paul reminds us in the book of 1 Timothy, Let no man despise your youth, but be an example among the believers. Here's a young teenage guy who's getting ready to change the trajectory of what's getting ready to happen. He is getting ready to, by his attitude, to change the king's decree. It's amazing when you think about it. So he goes in and he asks this commander, Hey, could we have just a little more time, a little more time? It calls me to write down some questions. Here's a couple of questions I wrote down. Because all of us are facing certain crises in our life, certain things that are going on in our life, and how we respond to that is so important. So can I just ask you or share with you some questions that I asked me this week? Here's the first one. Are you rushing God on some decision that needs to be made? flip side of that is also true. Is God patiently waiting on you to hurry up? See, here's what's interesting. Many, many times, and many of you could come up here and grab the microphone and give witness to this. Many times, many a decision is right or wrong simply based on timing. Marriage is a great thing, but I think getting married at eight is probably not a good idea. Timing. This was not some kind of stalling tactic I don't think that Daniel was using to get a reprieve from the decree of the king being enacted. No, it was, it was legitimately, he knew it took time to go before the Lord, listen to the Lord, wait upon the Lord, get word of what the dream was, get word of what the interpretation was. And so he thought, as some of us think sometimes and some of us actually operate, I do. I'll be honest if you won't. Some of us wing it. We don't really fully have an answer from the Lord, so we don't want to necessarily wait on his timing. So we just throw out an answer that we think, well, I probably got a 70% chance of being right with that. So we throw out the answer. Don't do that. It's never turned out good when I've done that. Timing, wait on God. Wait on God. Are you rushing Him in some area of your life? Some decision that you've got to make, that you're begging Him for an answer? He's going to, he'll answer you. You're not going to like this next statement, but He's going to answer you in His perfect timing. <laughs> Equally, sometimes there's been times where the Lord probably, at least in my life, and I would guess in your life too, has impressed upon you to do something, and, well, later, later later. Maybe he's impressed upon your heart sitting in a restaurant or with a coworker or maybe at school in class. You know what? You, you need to go share Christ with that person. Or maybe a conversation happened that gave you an open door just to share your faith and the Lord said right now you need to say something about me and you no 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 no. Timing. I'm going to ask Daniel a lot of questions in heaven. What is it about this young teenager? And we're going to find out as we go through this study in Daniel. What is it about this young teenager that he he had the concept to think about God's timing? That's a concept that this guy as a 50 plus year old man sometimes needs to be reminded of. But Daniel knew that and so he goes in and he requests a little more time. But time to do something, not time to sit on his blessed assurance. But time to do something. And what was the time that he requested used for? We're going to find out what the time was used for because we keep reading, and here's what he did. Verse 17. He went to his house and he informed his friends. Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah about the matter, so that, in order that, they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so he and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Here's the third thing I see in this chapter that's very, very important. Daniel informed his friends so they could request compassion from God. That makes me a lot of, a, ask a lot of questions, brings to mind a lot of questions. Here's questions I'll throw out to you this morning. Do you have those kind of friends? When the pressure is on, and you need somebody to go to, do you have those kind of friends? They weren't just hanging out. That's great to have friends you can hang out with. But he specifically went to those three, and not only specifically went to those three, but apparently they were lodging together. He went to those friends and informed them, hey, this is what I just heard. We're, We're getting ready to die here. Every wise man in the land is getting ready to die unless we come let's let's pray let's plead before god let's ask god to give us wisdom here do you have friends that you can do that with can i ask you this question if you don't why not they exist believe it or not i know many people even many believers don't think those kinds of friends exist church family hear my heart this morning that is the church This is not the church. You guys and I am the church. And that is our function. Part of our function as the body of Christ is to help each other grow and pray for each other and listen to each other and encourage each other. And this guy knew that. So his first instinct is, I'm going to ask the king for a little more time and then I'm running to tell my friends, hey, we got to get together, pray about this situation. we got to seek the God of heaven about this situation. We need an answer about this situation. And when those things happen in our life, that should be our immediate response. God first, we're going to seek Him, but I'm going to grab every living, breathing person that I call a friend, and we're going to rally and do that together. Church, I'm just telling you, we need to do that at Crossroads Baptist Church. It's great to do it at home. It's great to do it in the privacy of our own heart, in the automobile while you're driving down the road. Aren't you grateful you can pray anywhere, anyhow, anytime? That's great. That's wonderful. But we need to start doing that together more frequently. And ask the God of heaven to give us wisdom and discernment. And he goes before those friends and that's exactly what happens. And then we read after he began to request compassion from God. What happened? Verse 19. The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. And Daniel begins to bless the God of heaven. And I would encourage you to read those verses through about the end of 23. He starts to just praise God because God begins to give him understanding on what this dream is and the interpretation of this dream. And by the way, God revealed that to Daniel. Why? So that God could get the credit, not Daniel. And so we see here... Christianity, by the way, begins with this principle. Don't miss this. Christianity begins with the principle of revelation. Everything that you and I know about God is because God has allowed us to know it. It's not because we're so smart we figured it out. God has allowed us to know it. Our job, by the way, is not to figure out things about God. Our our job is to understand what God has already revealed to us. And when we understand what he's revealed to us, we will understand more about him. And this is the biggest way he's revealed himself to us. So if we want to know more about him and have more understanding of him, we've got to get into the ways that he has revealed himself. And so he gets an answer on what this dream is and what the interpretation is and God kind of reveals it to him and he begins to praise God and he goes back to Ariok the commander and says hey hey I'm ready to share the interpretation we've sought the God of heaven he's given it to me I'm ready to share the dream and the interpretation to the king and so he runs off to go talk to the king and Ariok hurriedly goes and he takes Daniel into the king's presence and says this in verse 25 king I have found a man among the exiles who says he can make the interpretation known. And the king answered and said to Daniel, verse 26, Are you able to make known to me, notice this, the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? And Daniel answers before the king and says, As for this mystery, the king is inquired. Where not wise men or conjurers or magicians or diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, king, I will let you know there is one. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries he's made known to the king what it will take place in the latter days this is your dream and the visions in your mind while you were lying in your bed oh king while you're in your bed your thoughts turned into what is going to happen in the future and he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what's going to take place but as for me this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than any other living man but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to you in other words Daniel saying this is not done in my and of my might, might or strength it's been revealed to me by God now I'm not sure if he did that because what's getting ready to come is not exciting news for the king he just to say if you don't like what I'm getting ready to say you can take it up with God or also I think it's probably in part because of his boldness and as we get further and further into the book of Daniel we will find out that Daniel starts getting into a lot of prophecy things that are going to happen in the future and so this dream that he has, real quickly, we're going to pick up in a minute at verse 36, but this dream that he has is of the king and his head of gold and all these other kingdoms that are going to be coming up and rising up behind King Nebuchadnezzar. And three, if you know your history, you'll know that three dominating empires continued on the, on the scene. The Persian Empire, the, the Grecian Empire, the Roman Empire, which by far the Roman Empire, there's never been an empire like The Roman Empire since its fall. A lot of people have tried. Napoleon, Hitler, Stalin. A lot of people have tried. But none have succeeded. They've had huge power and influence. But none has been compared to the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire, if you know the book of Revelation in your Bible history, you'll know that that empire, that area of the world, will will somehow come under revival, not spiritual revival, but political revival under the leadership of a fallen dictator who we will know as the Antichrist. So all these things, Daniel is getting ready to get into this as we get further and further into the dream. And Daniel says to him, basically in those first verses I just read there, verses 28, 29, and 30, he's describing a single decisive event. And by the way, that event is an event in the future. And if you want to look up some of those scriptures, let me give you three or four of them real quickly if you want to just jot these down on your notes. Psalm 118, Verse 22. Psalm 118, verse 22. Isaiah 28, 16. Zechariah 3, 9. You can check those out. So he says to him, verse 36, King, here was the dream. The dream was all of these images that you saw are future kingdoms coming up, but let me give you, O King, the interpretation, verse 36. This was the dream. Now I'll tell you its interpretation, O King. You, O king, are the king of kings, to whom God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or beasts of the field, or birds of the sky, he, God, has given them into your hand and caused you to rule over them all. You're the head of gold. And after you there will arise another kingdom inferior to you, then a third kingdom, which will still rule over us, And then a fourth kingdom, verse 40, as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things, so this iron will break into pieces. It will crush and break all these in pieces. Verse 41, and in that you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron Much as you saw the iron mixed with common clay, and the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery. So some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle, and that you saw the iron mixed with common clay. All these images he's describing are things the king saw in his dream, and Daniel continues to interpret them. In verse 44 says, And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. Hello? Never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all the kingdoms, and it will endure forever. you got to wonder what the king's thinking right now. Wait a minute. Wait just a minute. I am the king. Who is, what you talking about, Willis? Who is this king that you're talking about that's going to come be better than me? He's getting a little anxious, I would expect. Verse 45, Inasmuch as you saw, a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. We know that Jesus is the living stone. The cornerstone, that's the verse in Zechariah. I just gave you Zechariah 3.9. He says, inasmuch as you saw that, it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold. The great God has made known that that king will take place in the future. So your dream that you just had is real and its interpretation is trustworthy. In other words, he's saying this is coming, but coming in the future. Why is that important? It's important because you're going to find out in the next chapter. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you king is not too fond of this because the king decides, okay, this huge statue and everybody bowing down to this god you're talking about. I'm going to build my own statue and people are going to bow down to me. He's not really happy about this. Yet, Daniel gave the interpretation and the king falls on his face and does homage, verse 46, to Daniel and gives orders to present him an offering in fragrant incense. You say, Pastor Jack, how do you know he didn't really acknowledge... Daniel's king is the king because he tells us in the very next verse. What does he say? Here's what he says, verse 47. Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of lords and a revealer of mysteries since you've been able to reveal this mystery. Dear friends, let me just tell you, if you're visiting today and you don't know this to be true, let me just tell you on the authority of God's Word, not on the authority of Jack Easton, the authority of God's Word. Jesus is not just a God. He's just not a Lord. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And His kingdom will never end. And for those that have placed their trust in him, you will be a part, brothers and sisters in Christ, who have made that surrender of their lives to that king, you will be a part of that future kingdom that is coming. And so even though the king is impressed, he promotes Daniel and gives him, verse 48, many great gifts. He makes him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, the chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel makes a request to the king. He goes back to the king with an additional request Says, king. You know those three friends of mine? Those three friends of mine that prayed with me? And because of their prayer, the God of heaven answered and gave me revelation, interpreted that dream. You're going to promote me. You're going to, you're going to honor me. You need to honor those friends of mine that were with me praying. And they all get promoted over the administration of the province of Babylon. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll be honest. I, I, I do not like it when the Lord puts pressure in my life. I'll just be honest. I don't. Sometimes I don't like it. Maybe, maybe you love it. Maybe you're like, bring it on. If I look at the book of James, I know what happens when trials and tribulations come my way. They produce perseverance. They produce faith. They produce endurance. And the pressure maybe that you and I are facing in our life, much like Daniel, the pressure that Daniel was facing was in his life for a couple reasons. The first one was this, to build his faith. Because God Almighty knew the pressure was going to get more intense and the heat was going to get more hot and he had to be prepared. We have a misconception, folks, in Christianity that sometimes, not all of us, but some people in our culture think that if things are going wrong in our life or there's pressure, we must have sinned or we must have missed God somehow. It's not always true. Sometimes God allows pressure in our life on purpose to purify us and make us holy. Not comfortable, by the way, but to make us holy and better and to prepare us for the future. To build our faith and to prepare us for the future. So I just have a few questions as we wrap up this morning. Are you going through some pressure right now? It's alright. Trust me, if every person in this room was honest, every hand would go up. In some way, we're all under some kind of pressure. Could be mental pressure, mind games that the devil plays with us. Could be physical, could be health pressure, family pressure, financial pressure, kids', kids pressure in our lives, parents, whatever. Here's the question, though How are you and I responding? Here's the reality. As Daniel recognized, we have to recognize we can't get through that pressure effectively without Jesus. So I want to challenge you with three things and we're done. Would you be willing to pray this morning for discretion and discernment? Because pressure's not going to stop. I'd love to tell you that you get to a point and the Lord says, oh, they've made it. No more pressure. That's coming, but it's on the other side of the heaven, the other side of the river. That's when we get to be with the Lord. No more pressure. But for now, there's going to be some more pressure while we're in this world. Maybe you need to pray for discretion and discernment. Maybe you're facing something in your life where you just need to ask God for His timing. Lord, I need to make a decision about this or that. Can I I just request you to show me what the timing needs to be? Maybe here's the third thing this morning. Maybe this is most important for you. I don't know. Maybe you need to utilize and leverage the God-given gift of brothers and sisters in Christ in friendship and say, hey, I need you to pray with me about something. Church, I am so tired of us as Christians. When you ask people how they're doing, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, you're not. Quit lying. You're not fine. Nine times out of ten, you're not fine. Maybe one time out of ten, you are fine. We do that to ourselves, not relying on the tool and leveraging the gift that God has given us of friendship, brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't get me wrong. I know it's hard sometimes to be honest with people, to be vulnerable, to be transparent. Our world talks a lot about transparency. Should start with the church, actually. So maybe this morning you, you need to grab somebody sitting beside you and say, Hey, there's, there's this stuff going on in my life. You don't even have to tell them what it is. Say, I need you to pray with me. Maybe you want to come up here and pray this morning. I don't know how God's speaking to your heart. But I pray that He is. Let's let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you taught me this week. The reality is, until I take my final breath here and I'm with you, there's going to be pressure. What's scary is the world is looking at those of us who claim to know Jesus and they're watching us when we're in that pressure cooker to see how we will respond. So, Lord, I pray you would help us. Help us. Give us discernment. Give us discretion. Lord, help us to ask you for your timing, not our own timing. Lord, help us to leverage the gift of friends and help us most of all to remember that one day the pressures that we face will be over because there is another kingdom coming. It is the kingdom of heaven that will be set up, a new earth, a new heaven that will be set up that those of us who know you will dwell with Jesus forever and ever. There is a day coming. But until then, would you help us respond in the right way? Church family, while you're praying this morning, I don't know how God would speak to your heart or is speaking. My prayer every Sunday is not only that God speaks to us, because He is speaking. But my prayer for myself and for you, my friends, is that we would not just allow Him to speak, but we would obey what He tells us to do. So in just a minute, Stephen's going to lead us in our closing hymn invitation song. Our chorus before we leave this place today. My friend Heath will be standing here at the front. We'll be here to receive you, to pray with you, to encourage you. Maybe today you'd say, you know what, I I need friends. I need the friendship of people here at Crossroads. I've been visiting some time, and I need to put my roots down in a place where I can grow. If that's your heart desire, we'll be here to receive you this morning. If you need prayer this morning, whatever you need this morning. Maybe today you'd say, you know what, I am trying to face the pressures of life and I don't even have a relationship with the king of the world. Friend, if that's you, you're in the right place. Don't feel any guilt. You're in the right place. Just call out and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you, and he will save you. Ask him to do that. If you need to do that this morning, Heath and I will be here at the front to receive you as well. Father, have your way during this invitation. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church family. Would you stand together? And We'll sing this song together as our invitation hymn. Let's sing together. If you need to respond, Heath and I'll be here to receive you this morning. God sent his son.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're so glad that you joined us for the message today. If Pastor Jack or any of our team can serve you, please reach out to us. You can send us an email at Jack at Hope at crossroads.org or by visiting our website. We would be most grateful to know where you are listening because we have people all over the world listening to our podcast. You can send us a message through our website. We would appreciate your prayers for us as we are in the midst of a building campaign to reach more children and families in our local community in Greenville County, South Carolina. If you would like to help, you can always make your gift online at our website, hope at Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads.